It's the 22nd of March, 2012. 30 kilometres west of Gloucester, New South Wales, Australia, Malcolm John Naden, fugitive for seven years and Australia's most wanted man, is captured in a dramatic police operation. He's wanted for the murder of Christy Skulls, shooting with intent to murder, aggravated indecent assault and multiple break and enter charges. He was also wanted in connection to the disappearance and suspected murder of his cousin, Letitia Nolan. Media will call him an expert bushman, but in reality, he's just surviving by stealing what he can and living it rough in the bush. I'm your host, Cambo. Grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast. Before I go on, this story contains depictions of murder and sexual assault. It involves people indigenous to Australia, and this may be a sensitive topic. So if this may upset you, please do not continue. Malcolm John Naden, born 5th of November 1973, near Dubbo, New South Wales, Australia. Naden was described as an unemployed shearer a former skinner and boner at Dubbo Abattoir, a talented artist and has expert bushcraft skills. Scott Hollywood, author of Malcolm Naden, Ghost of the Outback, says, It was the most wholesome of childhoods, a loving extended family living in the mid-New South Wales town of Dubbo, with kind aunties always ready with a hot meal and a boisterous group of cousins who swam in creeks, camped in the bush, and revolved around their beloved grandparents like planets around a sun. Yet even the happiest families can raise a troubled child. Margaret Walker, the auntie of Letitia Nolan, said, The Malcolm we knew was nice. He would never hurt anybody. He used to read a lot. He used to read the Bible and go to Bible studies but he wasn't the sort who would preach. He was just very quiet. She says he had a, had a strong connection to his grandparents and would do anything to help them. He had lived with them since his mid-teens. He'd wash up for mum. He'd wipe up, clean the house, hang the clothes on the line. He wasn't worried about what sort of job it was, she recalls. He'd just do all of that. But he was a loner. It is said he would crawl up into the roof space and spy on his relatives through the holes in the ceiling. He had few friends and would hang around his cousins. His criminal history up to the disappearance of Letitia and the murder of Christie was two drink-driving charges and one of using offensive language. His father and grandfather were true bushmen and had passed on their skills to Malcolm and his brother Jason. In fact, Naden's father and his brother Jason had been chosen by the ABC to appear in the TV series Outback House, in which a real family lived like 1861 pioneers at Oxley Downs, about 36 kilometres south of Dubbo. They were chosen for the show because they were one of a disappearing breed of country people who still know how to shear sheep with the old-fashioned blade shears used in the 19th century. 
the filming ended late 2004 and soon Malcolm Naden would be on the run, wanted in connection for the murder of Christy Scholes. So let's get on to why he became Australia's most wanted. Now most of the following is directly from court documents. It's 9.30pm on the 4th of January 2005. 24-year-old Letitia Nolan drives her car to the home of her grandparents Florence and Jack Nolan, the same place that her cousin Malcolm Naden was living at the time. Florence had been babysitting two of Letitia's kids and Letitia asked if she could babysit her other two kids while she went out. Florence agreed, and as Letitia left the house, she saw Naden sitting on the front veranda. She asked what he was doing, and Naden replied that he was going to go fishing at Sandy Beach, which is located on the Macquarie River at Dubbo. Dubbo is about five hours' drive northwest of Sydney, It is the largest population centre in the Irana region, with an estimated population of 40-odd thousand. So it's out in the sticks, but it is a major town. It's got Maccas. So back to Letitia. So Naden wanted to go fishing at Sandy Beach, and Letitia offers him a lift. Naden gets in the back seat, and they drive off to Sandy Beach. On arrival... Letitia mentions the allegation that Naden had indecently assaulted a 12-year-old girl. Now let me tell you a bit about this incident with Naden and the 12-year-old girl, and she can't be named because of her age. So this assault occurred on Wednesday the 12th of May 2004. Naden was called over to the victim's house by her mother, who was worried about some of the local boys in the area. Naden turned up at about 10pm and he and the adults in the house watched a movie. After the movie finished, the mother prepared a bed for Naden in the lounge room and she went to bed. In the night, the 12-year-old girl woke to find that Naden had his hand down her pyjama pants, inside her underpants and was touching her vagina with his hand. Naden then touched the girl on both breasts on the outside of her clothing. The girl moved away from Naden. Naden then left the room. The next morning, the girl waited until Naden left and went into her aunt's room. She climbed into bed with her aunt. Her aunt noticed that she was shivering and asked her what was wrong. The girl told her that Naden had touched her vagina on the outside of her clothes. Her aunt then asked if he'd touched her anywhere else, and she said that Naden tried to touch her on the back, but she jumped up. The aunt told the girl's mother, who reported the incident to the Department of Community Services. The 12-year-old girl was interviewed by police on the 14th of May 2004. So back to the car with Letitia in the driver's seat and Naden behind her on the back seat. So Letitia mentioned the allegation that Naden indecently assaulted the 12-year-old girl. Naden got pissed off and grabbed Letitia by the neck. Letitia fought hard to remove Naden's hands. After a long, terrifying and violent struggle, 
Letitia eventually succumbed to Naden's attack. The mother of four was dead. He then moved her to the passenger seat and drove to Butler's Falls, which is not far south of Sandy Beach. He then removed her body from the car and dug a hole next to the river. Before burying her, he dismembered her body and disposed of the seat covers in the car to try and minimise the forensic evidence left behind. He then drove her car and parked it at the western end of Tamworth Street near a walkway over the Macquarie River. The car would be found at 5.50am. Letitia would be reported as missing. Although Naden was known to be suspected in some sort of involvement in her disappearance, there was nothing that could be done because of a lack of evidence. In fact, witnesses had described seeing her vehicle at the time, but told police the guy they saw in the back seat had long blonde hair. Naden had black hair. So now we come to early June 2005. Christy Scholes lives next door to Letitia's grandparents, the house that Naden was still living at. Christy was getting sexually explicit notes sent to her and Naden was suspected as the culprit. Although it's 2005, sexting isn't a thing like it is today and people would still write notes to each other. Christy told several people about receiving the notes and sent a message back to Naden to stop doing it. Naden continued to send her notes. Around the 15th of June, most of the Nolan house where Naden was living had gone to Sydney as Jack Nolan was having surgery. Christy was getting her house painted next door and as the Nolan house was relatively empty, she stayed there with her two children. It wasn't long before Christy asked a friend to come and stay with her as she had become afraid of Naden. The next day, the 21st of June 2005, Ian Walker last saw Christy when he left the house at 9pm. Later that night, Naden heard Christy using the bathroom and could hear that her children were awake in the house. He waited for her to finish washing her hands, then walked up behind her. Naden placed both hands around her throat and strangled Christy to death. He had taken Christy completely by surprise and overpowered her. Naden would would later admit it wasn't much of a struggle. Naden then took her body into his bedroom and then had sex with her corpse. Once finished, he dressed her body, covered it and fled the house. Christy's two children, aged two and four, were still in the house. Naden would later say that he had sex with Christie's dead body as he thought he would have one for the road. What a sick bastard. The next day, the 22nd, Ian Walker turned up next door to help air out the paint fumes and noticed little Libby Skulls, Christie's daughter, tapping on a window inside the house. Ian told her to go back next door. When he went to the Nolans' house next door, he found Libby and her brother Johnny in the house but could not locate Christy. Ian, Larissa Rutley and Christopher Nolan looked after the children throughout the day. 
Numerous attempts were made to locate Christy, but to no avail. That night at around 8.30pm, with Christy still unable to be located, she was reported missing by her sister-in-law, Leanne Nolan. Police attended the house, and at around 1.30am, Christy's body was located in Naden's bedroom. I mean, for fuck's sake, wouldn't you look in every room of the house just in case? Naden is gone. Christy is nowhere to be found. But I will go on. So, police find Christy's body covered by a sleeping bag and a pillow. She was dressed wearing cream pants, a sleeveless turtleneck top and a black bra. A pair of tracksuit pants had been rolled and placed at the base of the door to Naden's bedroom, obviously to try and stop any smell from being noticed in the rest of the house. Crime scene officers attended and examined the house. They located a number of holes in some of the ceilings which allowed a person in the ceiling space to observe two of the bedrooms, the bathroom and the toilet. The crime scene officer noticed there was no dust in the vicinity of these holes. An autopsy confirmed that Christie had been strangled to death and had been sexually violated. DNA samples would eventually point to Naden being the perp. So Naden is now on the run and is the prime suspect in the murder of Christie Scholes, has allegations of molesting a 12-year-old girl and is also suspected in the disappearance of Letitia Nolan. Strike Force Durkin has been set up now to investigate. Naden is their prime suspect. In December 2005, police respond to a sighting of Naden at Dubbo's Western Plains Zoo. Apparently he was hiding in a roof cavity of one of the buildings and at night would come down and steal food from a guest house to sustain himself. So police evacuate the place, but Naden is nowhere to be found. At this stage, police believe Naden is being helped by friends and or relatives, and is living in the bush, surviving on fruit and any food he's able to steal. In January 2006, Naden's relatives go on TV and beg him to hand himself in to police. There are further sightings in Moree, Coonabarabran and Coonamble, with a confirmed sighting at Grawan near Lightning Ridge. All these places are rural towns. Naden is constantly moving to avoid capture, stealing what he can as he goes and setting up camps along the way. In March 2006... Naden again avoided capture after a team of about 60 police, accompanied by dogs and a helicopter, searched for him at the Willow Bend Village Aboriginal Mission in Condomblin, west of Dubbo. In January 2007, police announced a $50,000 reward for Naden's arrest. Now this is different from rewards usually paid upon the conviction of a wanted criminal. It was the first such bounty offered since the hunt for the Kelly gang in 1878. On the 7th of February 2007, 
Naden broke into and stole food and other items, including a solar-powered radio, two cushions, a plastic water jug, various cooking utensils, various towels, tablecloths and cans of food from the property Old Castle in Stewart's Brook. On the 14th of October 2008, Naden broke into and stole food supplies from the Misty Mountain Health Retreat in Bellbrook, and that's about 200 kilometres northwest of Stewart's Brook. January 2009. Naden is thought to be behind several other break ins in Bellbrook, in which non perishable food, torches, camping gear, warm clothes, raincoats, and binoculars were stolen, while valuables were left behind. August 2010. Naden was believed to be armed and living in dense bushland near Currikabark, northwest of Gloucester, after reports of thefts from properties near the Woko National Park. One resident reported his .22 calibre rifle stolen. September 2010. Police confirmed Naden's DNA profile matched blood found at the scene of a break-in at Stewart's Brook. October 2010. A pig hunter comes across one of Naden's bush camps in Barrington Tops. Bounty hunters move into the area. February 2011. Police increase the bounty on Naden's head to $100,000. Between 10th and 20th of June 2011, Naden broke into and stole food, a pair of grey trackies, a pair of binoculars, a rope and garden brush hook from a Birdwood property. Between the 18th and 23rd of September 2011, Naden broke into and stole food and butane gas cartridges from Alkira, situated at Nowendock. Between the 22nd of September and the 27th of September 2011, Naden broke into and stole clothing, an oven dish, food items, two pairs of binoculars and a suitcase from the property Baranning near Nowendock. On the 17th of October 2011, several boys fishing along the Macquarie River located a pink wallet containing the driver's licence and Medicare card belonging to Letitia. This is about 10 to 12 kilometres downstream from Butler's Falls. Between the 11th and 16th of November 2011, Naden breaks into Baranning, a second time stealing food, socks and a DVD player. Between the 18th of November 2011 and 24th of November 2011, Naden breaks into Alkira for a second time, stealing foodstuffs, a raincoat, a rifle scope, and a sleeping bag. Police thinking Naden may return here have left the sleeping bag with a tracking device installed inside it. Police now start to track Naden. At 6.45am on the 7th of December 2011, Police approached a campsite in Nowendock. Senior Constable McFadden saw the sleeping bag and told Senior Constable Marnie to take cover. 
They did not identify themselves as police at the time. As Senior Constable McFadden moved to cover Sergeant McDowell, Naden shot one round from a .22 calibre rifle at Senior Constable McFadden with the intention of killing him. The round struck the police officer and travelled through his right shoulder. Senior Constable Marnie and Sergeant McDowell then both called, Police! Don't shoot! The tactical police took evasive action and remained alert until further police arrived. In that time, Naden had fled the area. Later, Naden would say he only shot because he thought the camouflaged officers were actually bounty hunters out to kill him. Naden will subsequently be charged with the attempted murder of the officer. The reward for his capture is now increased to $250,000. But Naden's still able to stay on the run. Between the 7th of December 2011 and the 15th of December, Naden breaks into Bloxham's hut and stole food and clothing items, a poncho and a pair of binoculars. He also stole some beer. Between the 24th of November 2011 and the 22nd of December, Naden breaks into the homestead on Part Myra and stole food items, more beer, soft drink, milk, a gas lighter and metal cup. As you can see, although media reports him to be an expert bushman able to live off the land, that couldn't be further from the truth. Yes, he's living in bush camps, but he can't sustain himself, having to scrounge whatever food and supplies he can while running from place to place. On the 20th of December 2011, Naden broke into the willows and took from inside the house a large quantity of goods, placing them on the veranda. During the course of the evening, Naden consumed a large quantity of beer and used the laptop computer in the living room to browse the internet. When police arrived, the offender fled the home and escaped into surrounding bushland. Between the 3rd and 29th of December 2011, Naden broke into Snow's hut and stole many items that included a hammock, a camp stretcher, gum boots, knife, scissors and fire starters. Miss Snow located a number of items, a tent, swag, raincoat and pants, that appeared to have been slashed and damaged. Furthermore, there were remnants of clothing that appeared to have been burnt. Why Naden did this, some say, was because he was starting to lose it, being out in the bush for so long. He resented people having things that he could not. Between the 10th and 24th of February 2012, Naden broke into the Kerapit and stole a .22 calibre self-loading Browning brand rifle and a quantity of ammunition from the firearm safe, two knives, food, a fishing rod and more binoculars. Naden broke into the homestead again on the 22nd of March 2012 collecting a loaded .22 calibre rifle and other items, including a pair of binoculars, a knife, tools and food items. 
this time heavily armed officers from the Tactical Operation Unit, were finally able to capture Naden. He was tired and filthy. He had bites on his legs from the dogs that chased him down as he tried to flee. He would be taken downtown and charged with the murder of Christy Scholes. He would later confess to the murder of Letitia Nolan and assist police in April 2012 in locating her body. As there had been several floods in the area since she'd gone missing, police were not able to locate her remains. Eventually, Letitia's remains would be found in December 2016, not far from where Naden had indicated he'd buried her. Naden broke the record for the length of time being on the run from authorities, knocking 1860s bushranger Captain Thunderbolt from the top spot. In March 2013, it was found that Naden was fit to stand trial. Naden would plead guilty to 18 offences, including the murders of Scholes and Nolan. For the murder of Letitia Nolan, he was sentenced to a term of 28 years' imprisonment with a non-parole period of 21 years. The judge added the spontaneity of the accused's attack on Ms Nolan brings the offence slightly below the worst category of murder. For the murder of Christy Scholes, he was sentenced to imprisonment for life. The judge added, This was a cold-blooded, merciless killing that was sexually motivated. I am satisfied that the level of the offender's culpability in murdering Miss Scholes is so extreme that the community interest in retribution, punishment, community protection and deterrence can only be met by a sentence of life imprisonment. For the shooting with intent to murder, he was sentenced to a term of 16 years imprisonment consisting of a non-parole period of six years. For the offence of aggravated indecent assault on the 12-year-old girl, Naden was sentenced to a term of four years imprisonment consisting of a non-parole period of two years. The judge added the offender has neither expressed nor demonstrated remorse for having indecently assaulted the girl who was 12 years old at the time. He was also convicted on several break-and-enter offences too numerous to list. The judge went on to say, Mr Naden, you've been sentenced to life imprisonment. You will not be released on parole at any time during your life sentence. At the time of the trial, when victim impact statements were being made, Letitia's remains had yet to be found. This was very distressing to the family that had lost not only a loved one, but couldn't lay her to rest. They told the sentencing judge, Justice Derek Price, of living in constant fear that he would return. We were so scared that he would come back and hurt us, Christie's aunt, Alison Morris, said. We were sleeping with knives and weapons under our beds. Letitia's biological mother, Joan Nolan, said in a statement read by her son that her children had no symbol to mark her death and could not be part of a traditional Aboriginal burial. The worst thing is we don't have a burial plot, Mrs Nolan said. All we have is a creaky riverbed where she died.
Letitia doesn't deserve this as her last resting place. Another relative, Jeanette Lancaster, said the inability to carry out our traditional customs had, it, had made it impossible to grow. Every time the media mentions that human remains have been found somewhere in New South Wales, the question arises, is that my girl? As I mentioned before, in December 2016, Letitia's remains were finally found. Naden is serving his sentence at the Goulburn Supermax Prison, the super maximum security facility for the state's worst of the worst. Here, on November 24, 2013, Naden would be bashed with the handle of a sandwich toaster by his cousin Dean Nolan, a relative of Letitia Nolan. Dean Nolan is also serving a life sentence for the murder of Regan Cooper, who had just celebrated his 11th birthday the day before Dean Nolan murdered him. What a couple of assholes! Now, as I told you at the start, Naden was a bit of a loner. He read the Bible and kept pretty much to himself. The peepholes in the ceiling of his grandparents' house where he was staying probably indicated something was going on inside. The peepholes were in the bedrooms, toilet and bathroom. Police did say they found those areas to be dust-free, but they didn't say they saw any stains there, though. Maybe he was using the peepholes to load up the spank bank for later on. Then he molested that little girl. This was in May 2004. Naden was the guy that did it, but for some reason, the police really didn't get involved. This was a year before his first murder. Then, of course, it took police nearly seven years to catch Naden. He was almost caught several times, but was able to get away. But in reality, this didn't make much difference, as he didn't go on to murder anybody else. He just wandered around the bush, knocking stuff off. In fact, when he was caught, he told police he was glad it was over. Now, Naden did write a 26-page letter outlining what he did. Now, I don't have the letter, and only bits of it are on the web. There was an outrage when Channel 9's A Current Affair got hold of it and did a big promo for one of their episodes where they would air some of what he had written. The Nolan family protested, but A Current Affair ignored their pleas and went ahead with the show. This is why I've decided not to quote large blocks of his writings and only included a couple of very short quotes for context. Well, that's about it for Malcolm Naden. I'd like to thank all my listeners for their wonderful support. You are what makes True Crime Island what it is. Don't forget to support the island. You can tell a friend. Give a review on iTunes or your podcasting app. And if you would like to support the island on a financial basis, you can go to my website and there are links to Patreon and to my merch shop. For Patreon, I just let you know that for as little as a dollar, you can help support the island. I'm currently giving away a general admission ticket 
for the My Favourite Murder in Sydney or a True Crime Island t-shirt for those outside of Sydney. All you have to do is become a Patreon member for at least a month to be in the draw or donate via PayPal. The more Patreons that join the island, the more prizes will become on offer. I'd love to thank my current members, James, Tony, Senga, Heather, Kevin, Lindy, Ariel, Carol, Rebecca, Fiona, Jerry, Kathy, Jason, Joe, Alison, Narelle, Sarah, Valerie, Brooke, Diane, True Crime Fan Club, Kimberly, Canadian True Crime, Jackie and Joe. Now you can go to the Facebook pages and there's the normal page, plus you can join the closed group and you can discuss all things true crime. You can tweet the island on at True Crime Island and I'll put photos up on Instagram every episode and that's at True Crime Island as well. I want to give a shout out to the Unfound podcast by Ed Denzel. Now this is a great podcast so you should check it out. Unfound is a missing persons program concentrated on interviewing family, friends and reporters who are the closest to the cases. There is an interview he did of me and that'll air soon. I have a few promos lined up for the next few episodes and this week's promo is for Christy Lee's Canadian True Crime Podcast. Just have a listen, it's well worth the sub. The promo is at the end of the uh, episode, so please don't turn off. Don't forget, next week is Special Edition Week. On Sunday Arvo, get on the Facebook or Twitter and become part of the show by posting whatever you want to say for me to comment on. Also, the special editions will feature recent events that have made me mad and updates or just anything true crime. Be part of it as the island is your island. Remember, hashtag maintain the rage. Now this episode was requested by Lauren Burke. Thank you, Lauren, and I hope you had a few bourbons. So don't forget to delete your browser history. I'm Cambo, and you've been listening to True Crime Island, another true crime podcast. Hi, this is Christy Lee, host of the Canadian True Crime Podcast. My podcast tells Canadian stories of cruel people who committed heinous acts and honours innocent victims who are no longer with us. I start with a deep dive into the story of Paul Bernardo and Carla Hamolka with information you probably haven't heard, and then I venture into some lesser-known Canadian crime stories. You can find me on your favourite podcast app. Just search for Canadian True Crime.